Dear John, You were the chosen one. The only one. The one that I loved. I had a poster of you above my bed. And now you're a snake pajama boy. Mike, now it's your turn to do your Dear John. Oh, I didn't know we were, we were doing this. I don't like warning uh, you. Dear John, you, your decision to take advantage of a free market and be employed where you wish to be employed as someone who is of tremendous skill in your field offended me so much that I chose to vandalize your jersey along with several hundred of my peers. Dear John, I've taken every bagel that I found and stomped it into oblivion. That's a, just just a waste of bagel. Hmm, especially a Long Island bagel. So two things <clears throat> I want to say about the whole Tavares thing. First of all, and I can't believe I'm saying this on a Rangers podcast, absolute hats off to Islander fans. That was the pettiest NHL building atmosphere environment I have ever witnessed in my life. And I am fucking here for that level of petty. These people in a 6-1 game in the third period were viciously cheering every time he lost the face-off draw. It was incredible. I mean, hats off. You you, you know what? You had your moment. Like, you, you lost the battle for sure. Uh, excuse me. You lost the war. But you won that one battle. That one battle, you, you, you got the best out of it. So that was cool. There's always something grungy about the Coliseum, too. It's just like a... I don't know if dirty is the right word, but it kind of feels like just a, a more authentic, just insane environment. And uh, mm. yeah, that was pretty cool. It really was. I, my biggest takeaway from it, and it's very hard, like I, in the banter slack we were talking about, like, have the Rangers ever had something similar to this? And someone mentioned, oh, you know, Messier going to Vancouver. And that was, that was a kind of a weird thing to wrap my head around when I was a kid. Um, but, you, but you know, you, Leach you got can't... traded, and it's not it's not the same thing because really, in most situations, we're the Toronto, we're the team that's Correct. able to bring in those guys. In you know, the influence of the Rangers as a hockey club is pretty pretty profound and widespread. It's not quite you know the Leafs in terms of you know the proportion of Canadian players and how many of them grow up under the Church of the Maple Leaf. But like looking at that that video because I made a point to watch that game and they're waiting for that first even strength whistle to play the tribute video and the fact that they kept the booze going during Tavares's visits to hospitals and you know like seeing it's sick incredible. kids and stuff and I was just like I mean sports is just a different sort of thing it's stupid it, it's it just, really is and like I I found myself both impressed and also disappointed but also completely understanding and empathetic with what happened and i think the my favorite moment of it all i mean the chants were, were hysterical but my favorite moment of it all was Tavares acknowledging the crowd because there are still enough people who i think were being respectful or you know what i shouldn't say respectful you can do whatever the fuck you want if you're a fan so long yeah outside of the throwing things yeah at the Tavares, throwing the jersey during the i have no issues with what issue. happened whatsoever yeah. Um, but I, the fact that the Islanders team saluted him the way they did was classy, and the fact that Tavares saluted the crowd I thought was pretty classy. Because I have, can you imagine, Joe, 
lining up for a face-off, knowing that if you lose, <laughs> that many people are just going to be oh, it's all it's over insane. Your shit. And it's the other thing that, like, you can't appreciate the context. We, you and I can't appreciate the context. We're a little bit closer to it because we, we witnessed it to a, a direct division rival. But you can't appreciate what what they've gone through. And, like, that was the perfect storm of shit to get to that point. You can't appreciate that. You just, you can't. And the Rangers, in the instances where you would even begin to say, well, you know... Messier is a comparable or the Leach trade. The Rangers did it to themselves. They didn't give Messier money. They traded Leach. Yeah. There's no, there was no comparable. It's a different, and I feel like I got my first impression of that when I went to a, uh, a Blues game at Barclays. And without exaggeration, one third of the Islanders jerseys I saw were Tavares jerseys that had like blue tape over his name. And it would just like, someone just took like white out or something and just wrote traitor on it instead. Like, there are more vandalized, like Tavares jerseys, than there were jerseys of a lot of pop or a lot of players that I thought might be more popular, in terms of you know having their jerseys around. And it's a weird thing to kind of let that be something that defines your culture is just like this extended middle finger to this player. But I I can't really understand what they must feel like. That's a, yeah, it's we, a different we can't animal. Appreciate that. Here's the other thing that I, I find astounding, and I find it even more astounding that it's March and this just broke with that game. I believe it was Larry Brooks said that John Tavares was going to sign with the Islanders, and his agent begged him to take the meeting with Toronto, and he did it out of a professional courtesy, and they blew him away. He saw Lamarillo, he saw Trotz, and he was like, oh, I, I'm totally on board for this. And his agent was like, no, listen, you need to meet with Toronto. Just meet with them. Just hear what they have to say. And he walked out of that meeting and he decided to be a Maple Leaf. So, poof, that is just... Yeah, man. That is something special. Uh, we're six minutes in. We haven't talked Rangers at all. I apologize. This is Bantering the Blue Shirts. My name is Joe Fortunato. I'm your host, joined as always by my co-host, Michael the Killer Murphy. Killer. Well, you're killing it sending out those stickers. Yeah, that's not... I mean, I just lick an envelope. Well, you're doing it great. Everyone um, who gets a sticker in the mail, you have uh, a trace amount of my DNA you can... That you can utilize somewhere. to build. If you have a cloning machine, you can... A cloning bay, you can just... I could splurge and get those, like, you, you have the peely sticker envelopes, you know? Mm. And that do the that do the licking for you, but... Nah, there's really no... Per- you you want to lick your own envelope. Did you get yours yet? No, I have not, and we need to no. discuss that because that's a load of shit. Well, um, I made a special trip to the post office for you. You fucking better have, you son of a bitch. Bitching and moaning. Um, you, uh, there's not a ton, a ton going on in Rangers land right now. Um, it, it's such a weird... It, we have it, new people to talk about. We, we have, have new people to talk, to talk about, talk but, about. but before, like, it's been such a strange... The Rangers legitimately had Tampa Bay on the ropes. Tampa Bay's an NHL favorite. That was the Rangers, very interesting, that game. They got yeah. crushed in the Corsi game by um, Washington. But they, the Rangers, like, they don't, they don't look out of place in a way. There's a lot more feistiness to them. They're doing the good grit. Where the, where they're hitting guys in the corners. They're going after the puck. They're not even Zabanajad said like it's not about fighting. You know what I mean? It's about being tough to play against. And I'll tell you, Joe, these here's kids, my question for you, these Michael. These kids play with hot. These kids work the tails off for you. 
as go in the corners and they battle, they bleed for each other. You get now. Here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna watch the game and you're gonna drink the moonshine that I've been brewing in my basement. Moonshine. And you're not gonna be able to see the television after long, but you're gonna enjoy yourself. And that the Rangers play like a pissed off moonshine drinking. Why did you sound like you sounded like son a, of a bitch, like a, a doped up Christian Slater? Like, because I'm on. I'm. I, I'm, I didn't like it. Well, it is what it is. Do you know who Christian uh, Slater is? Uh, I think I do, but I don't want to take a guess and be wrong. All right, well, I, I'm Is he a drug not... addict? Well, that's a strong accusation. I don't know. I don't know either. He, then he may not be who I'm thinking of. Well, we just put that out in the ether now. I hope yeah. you're happy. No, the Christian Slater is not a drug addict. No, this is... See, immediately, you this see is not at done? all who... Do you see what you've done? Not at all who I thought you were talking about whatsoever. So I got it wrong. Got it wrong. He was in Kevin Costner's Robin Hood... Uh, yeah, no, no clue. The, what, definitely not. I have no idea who this man is. I know nothing about him. How many times are they going to remake the goddamn Robin Hood movie, by the way? You know, apparently a million, until it's yeah, amazing. It just doesn't go away. Um, what was I in the middle of saying? Oh, he, here's my question for you. Babies. No, I have, I have a question for you. Okay. We've debated a shitload about Quinn, right? And developmentally what he's done, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Now, we have seen some things surface... That have made a little bit more sense. We learned that there were some behind-the-scenes issues with D'Angelo. Filipito did a Q&A or like a response to Larry Brooks and kind of explained that he did sort of plateau in terms of his work ethic and whatnot. We're starting to realize, at least it seems, that a lot of the decisions David Quinn is making that you and I have complained about on this podcast have been more about him sending a message than anything else. We're witnessing the Rangers play a far more bought-in level of hockey, something I feel very safe saying we have not seen in years. Do you think that Quinn is making his mark on this team? I, I feel like that's... Hashtag bantering points. I feel like it's been there for a while, that, that mark was there. I think I got that impression when he said, I'm going to go ahead and sit Kevin Shattenkirk. Um to, to make that kind of decision when it's like everyone kind of understands, you know, Shattenkirk and Quinn know each other. They have a relationship. They had one before uh, he became the head coach here. And that was something to me where I was like, okay, you know, he's he's sending a message here. Um, and I felt like that was also established in a significant way with the Ryan Strom trade because, you know, Quinn understood i think that you know the rangers had ryan spooner and they signed him for two years for four million a year and when spooner didn't fit into quinn's idea of how he wants to play hockey he just rode the pine um until he was dealt and you know you look at what this team has become under him and i feel like it's it's ironic but like with with the guys like zuccarello and hayes out of the lineup i feel like we're getting a, a better idea of what Quinn's real definition of physical is and he's been talking about physical hockey all along and you know he's also been a guy who's he's not always talking about you know getting in fights but he does talk about you know finishing checks finishing your shifts and skating hard and you know from some of the footage we've seen of him at practices you know he is a guy who will he, he doesn't go off like you know he's crazy he, he'll just demand that they do things again and do it at game pace he demands that they work hard and so it's not surprising to me that some players along the way joe have kind of gotten 
in the doghouse for slacking off in practice, whether they be veterans or whether they be kids. And what's interesting, because I wrote, I wrote about the, uh, something, you know, that's kind of tangential to this for, for banter, um, talking about David Quinn and the mentality of playing to win. Because, you know, there is a portion of, I think, Rangers fandom that is just, why can't this team just play the kids and lose games and then we get a lottery pick? And I feel like there's there, it's a dangerous kind of thinking to embrace the idea and go into the locker room with, listen, we're going to have fun, but we're going to lose. And we all, we're going to each game knowing we're going to lose. I don't know what kind of impact that will have on the development of players in a locker room, especially in this coach's first year, and he's trying to establish that. He's trying to figure out, you know, how can I, you know, get my culture instilled in this room and this has been Quinn's Rangers for a while, and that's why I wanted to bring that point up because, it, you know, I, he's definitely done things his own way. Think of how long we've seen Brendan Smith playing wing now. Think of how long we've seen, you know, the Rangers have, or how many games, I should say, we've seen 7D get dressed. And, you know, it's I, it, it makes me understand a little bit better, I guess, some of the stuff I was questioning earlier in the season. It doesn't mean I forgive him for or just give him a pass on everything because he he has made some no we don't and and I yeah uh, that's not the point of the question no I I think I just wanted to to add that as a little you know little postscript there the the more purpose of that question is to just be like hey listen that's you know this is what I think is sort of what we're tailing towards. We're getting a little bit more of that behind-the-scenes information. The the D'Angelo stuff, you and I were clawing our hair out on this podcast. And then as soon as the the stuff came out, it was like, oh, all right, that makes sense. And D'Angelo has been fantastic. I can't can't really claw my hair out. um, Well, you know what? Do you have a beard? Yeah, I have a beard. So then you can claw your hair out. Of course you know I have a beard. What's wrong with you? I know. Well, the people may not. Yeah, you didn't think of that one, did you? They can't see you. We're not doing live podcasting. Does I am feel, naked right now, though. Completely naked. Top to bottom. Does it make you feel like a big man when you put me down like this? <laughs> I'm not putting you down. I'm, I'm just... The people don't know how beautiful no, that you are. They how, haven't seen you. This is how you have to be a big man. <laughs> they, haven't, they haven't seen what you look like, the beauty in your eyes. I call you so big Broadway Fortunato to, with your big website and all your uh, friends and your little verified Twitter and you put me down and you think it's fun. Well, you know what? This is the way that it goes. Um, yeah, the, I just I feel like Quinn has left his mark on this team, and I think he realizes in a a way that you and I maybe weren't prepared for in the rest of the world that I'm going to make decisions that are stupid, quote unquote, decisions from a play style standpoint and a who should be playing and who shouldn't be. And the reality is he's doing it because he can, because this season means nothing, and he knows that, and everybody knows that. This season is a developmental season, and you and I look at development, and we say, well, he should be playing. Hedl should be playing nonstop, and Buchnevich should be playing nonstop. Well, you know what? Buchnevich looks like a completely different player right now than he did in the beginning of the year. And D'Angelo definitely looks... And D'Angelo definitely does, too. So maybe I'm the idiot. That's totally possible that I'm the moron. It, it does not surprise me in any way that David Quinn knows more about player development and coaching than you and I do combined. Of course he does. Well, I've developed quite a few players you've in my life. You've developed my broken heart is what you've I, I've, I've, No, I've developed your love and affection. That's what I've developed. 
I've developed a dog and a baby. So <laughs> there's that. Kalen is a fantastic like hockey you, player. You made sure to emphasize baby. Baby. Just a baby out there playing hockey. It's fantastic. Um, okay. Well, you, you pretty much answered what I expected you to and what I kind of felt like. I, Quinn has gotten maybe not enough ups, if you will, for the career year that Zibanejad is having and the career year that Crowder's having. And he deserves a lot of that, too, because he's obviously a part of it. And they were not making those steps under Vigneault. But we might see Vigneault in uh, Ottawa, who knows, over the summer. So speaking of, not Vigneault, but D'Angelo Heedle, you want to talk some some Tony D? Yeah, it's uh, D'Angelo. The long D streak yeah, for of points. Rangers radar on, on, and on the banter. I have I have fun looking at trends a lot with, uh, with stats and stuff. And D'Angelo kept adding on to this career best point streak. Um, and I think it got cut off at nine. He had nine points in nine straight games. All of them were assists, as it turns out. Um, and then uh, against Montreal in the game that you pointed out very accurately, they just got uh, you know. Or, or no, you were talking about Washington with uh, with possession. But, Son of a bitch. Um, it, that point streak came to an end in Montreal, and then he picked up another picked up another assist the next game. And what's been the most important thing during this point streak i mean it's great he's picking up points joe but d'angelo has now played nine straight games i think where he's averaging something like 22 minutes of ice time um in in that in the last and he's been called one half of the rangers best defensive pair by the coach in the last nine games only one game did he dip below uh 20 minutes of ice uh and you know, against Tampa Bay, he played 26 minutes, and that was a career high for him. And that was the other game where uh, where Mika Zibanejad had uh, he also played north of 26 minutes. But I mean, this that's a far, far cry from a kid who couldn't, couldn't crack make, a lineup, you know, just just couldn't stay in this lineup. And um, I think a big part of it has to do with him showing what he needed to show to Quinn in terms of maturity, and uh, and I feel like. Maturity is a kind of an all-encompassing word here. It's not just, uh, Tony, for the love of God, don't turn it over in your own zone. It's also his, his behavior as a professional hockey player, uh, his behavior at practice, his behavior in the locker room. And those things, unfortunately, are factors with Tony D'Angelo. That's just, that's just reality. Um, that's kind of the, you know, the, the player that the Rangers agreed to take on in that big trade. And I feel like something that Quinn deserves a lot of credit for is maybe salvaging a real NHL player here uh, with D'Angelo. It's still early, but I mean, what we've seen in the last you know, think, 15 games show, uh, there's, I feel I think like you're getting more than out. just an, an NHL yeah, player. He's on pace. Valuable. Yeah. If he played in 82 games this year at this current pace, he has 24 points in 46 games. That's a 43 point season. For a 23-year-old defenseman who, for, I would say, the first half of the year, either could not get into the lineup or, when he was in the lineup, was playing minimal minutes. And only recently has he kind of been pushed to the PP1 unit. And you're talking about a guy who has, I mean, 24 points in 46 games. As a flip side to that, since we keep going back to this um, unfortunate, I, I guess, flip side when it comes to uh 
just what we've seen from Mr. Pionk. You're talking about a guy who came out of the gate flying. He has 21 points, Pionk does, in 51 games. And Pionk had what? He had like 20. I feel like he's had 20 points forever. So it's a huge... If the Rangers... The whole point, and, and we discussed this as far back as this summer you know, on the forum. You, you play Pionk and you play D'Angelo because you have to figure out what you have in them. You have to figure out what they are. You need to figure out how you can use them. And D'Angelo has proved that he can be a top four defenseman for the New York Rangers. And at the very worst, a power play specialist. But he has been, I think, downright fantastic for this team. And one of the few bright spots on this just barren desert leading, landscape of the defense. He's leading all Rangers defense and scoring. Um, and I know that, you know, Sh- Shaddy missed some games. Uh, but, like, and, you know, Shat and Kirk for a long time. And this feels like one of those things, the longer I pointed out, uh, the less, you know, weight it carries. But the amount of time he spent not on that top power play unit, Shat and Kirk, I mean, definitely took a big bite out of his production. But... He also has been uh, picking up some points as of late. It's, it's worth mentioning. But the fact that D'Angelo has done this to the point where I don't think, you know, even some of, I think, feel like Neil Pionk's biggest uh, advocates will acknowledge that D'Angelo is right now just better than Pionk in every conceivable way. Literally um, every way. Yeah, I can't think of an aspect of... On the ice. Yeah. Because Pionk is probably a better off the ice... Yeah, I would imagine. Them. But the only other thing I would say is I would imagine that Pionk has the benefit of uh, not having a bad reputation and definitely doesn't take kind of dumb after-the-whistle penalties like uh, D'Angelo can and probably will still do for the rest of his career. But other than that, if we're just talking about being an effective defenseman and moving the puck and quarterbacking a power play, D'Angelo has him crushed. I mean... He does everything better. Everything. I think he's, yeah, it's not even a debate at this point. And uh, there's somebody who, uh, I think like two weeks into the season, shot me a note and was like, hey, when are you going to admit that you're wrong about Pionk and D'Angelo and D'Angelo being the better player? And all we heard about this summer from a lot of the beats, I mean, Carp, Carp, Rick Carpinello for The Athletic was a big one who just really believed that Neil Pionk was the better defenseman, that he was going to be the better defenseman. Um, And a lot of that comes from the fact that there were no off-ice issues. Pionk had like a dream uh, 20-whatever games last year. He he put up, you know, 0.5 points per game. I think he had 14 points in 28 games last year, and everybody was like, oh, my God, uh, this is going to be amazing. And and you and I and a bunch of other people and bloggers and whatnot – we just kind of looked at each other and we were like, well, his numbers were terrible. And that's not shocking because the Rangers were terrible. But uh, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. And we've seen a very similar Neil Pionk this year. And Adam wrote a story about it. But when I've mentioned this as well, when Pionk was putting up a point a game or a point every other day, you could look past the deficiencies in his game. Because, okay, he's a one-way defenseman. We said it on this podcast. He's a one-way defenseman. There's nothing wrong with him being a one-way defenseman. But when those points dry up, there's no safety net for him. D'Angelo, I think, has at least found enough of himself defensively that he hasn't been a tire fire. And he's actually been an above-average defenseman. And his possession numbers are fine. 
And I mean like above 50 fine. And that makes a huge difference because when you're not scoring, okay, there's the tangible look he's doing his job aspect of things. He's in the same points per game neighborhood this season. I just looked it up as Wierenski and Shea Weber. He's doing better in points per game than, you know, Goss's beer. It's not too surprising because he's having a bad season ghost, but uh, doing better than Dougie Hamilton, doing better than Ryan McDonough on that crazy Tampa team. I mean, 0.52 points per game. There's nothing to sneeze at. It's a really damn good. Um, and as you said, if you know, if you apply that to the 82 game season, that's that's north of 40 points. And that's yeah. that's a guy who is just coming into you know his real NHL career here, and it's no secret that this Rangers blue line is is has to be a focus of this rebuild and the guys they find and uh, D'Angelo thus far, I think especially in you know in the last 15 or 20 games i mean it's not just this point streak it's the other little parts of his game it's the fact that he's been able to stay in the lineup and kind of pass that that test that you know he everyone in the lineup seems to have to pass under Quinn you know with the exception of a couple of veterans but you know we've talked out in the ground but um i wanted joe to transition because you're bad at hosting shows and talk about uh Libor Hayek now because he recently made his NHL debut um, we knew coming into his debut that his production in Hartford was incredibly meek in terms of, you know, what kind of points he was putting up, um, you know, just, just five assists on the season in Hartford, uh, despite leading all, uh, all rookie defensemen in the AHL in games played. And can I just say, you know, it's sure. bad when the team calls up, when the team calls up a player. And like the stats that the Rangers give yeah, us, that right? That They're like, "Hey, he's played the most games of all defensemen his age in the AHL." And then they talked about his World Junior Championship statistics from two years ago. Yeah, and you they, look at it and you're like, "Oh yeah. boy!" Like if you know what you're looking for, that's a terrible. Here's yeah. another thing, and I feel like before we even get into the Hayek stuff, we need to discuss this. God damn it! Um, I've seen a no. It is about Hayek. You you you, you fuck. Yeah, fuckity fuck. <laughs> um, we've already seen a lot of the, well, in the nutty hockey places, he's been called a bust. And some of that has to reference us because we've been relatively hard on his AHL year. Oh, yeah. So, um, some of it has to reference some other blogs who are doing similar things and making similar comments. And here is, again, the reality of the situation you're not doing your job as a reporter. And in this instance, some of these things are being said not by other people in the, the Twitter-like verse. We're talking about legitimate credentialed reporters. Is you're not doing your job. If You can certainly say, hey, the kid's 20 or 21. He's having a bad year in the AHL. The AHL is terrible, but he's certainly not progressed the way the Rangers and him expected. And that's fine. I don't think anybody, even if he said, like, I think too much stock is being taken in his AHL season this year, that's fine. But nobody's insinuating Hayek is a bust. We're just saying that today, a year after the the trade for him in the first place, uh, he, he has not looked very good. The organization wanted him to. He, he's. This is not what anybody was expecting. And, and props to Larry Brooks, who actually had the wherewithal to write that type of a story where he shed more light on the trade that I didn't know. Apparently, the only way to get Hayek included in the deal was to trade JT Miller, which 
leads me to believe that it was Nemestikov a first, a conditional first, and Howden for McDonough, and then Miller for Hayek, I guess. But the Rangers did so much back padding about Lieber Hayek that it was very difficult not to assume he was going to be more NHL ready than he was. And the Wolfpack are terrible. The Wolfpack have issues up and down the lineup. Adam wrote an entire story about just how dysfunctional the Wolfpack are. So there are plenty of reasons why you could look at Hayek's struggles and say, well, yeah, but that's happening because of this and and that and, you know, X, Y, and Z. Totally fine. But let's also call a spade a spade. Lieber Hayek is not where the Rangers wanted him to be one year out. There's no way that they would want him to be where he was. And he's come up to the NHL and he hasn't looked terrible. And everybody's pointing at that at like, hey, look, 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 look. Come on. Nobody, at least call it both ways. You could be upset that there's that much maybe microscopic focus on him. But when you throw a parade for getting a prospect in a trade... It's difficult not to look at him in that lens. And yeah. he shouldn't worry about it. The Rangers should keep it. Quinn talked to him about it. Like, they're doing all the right things now. But when you put that much pressure on a kid from the onset, mm. you, you have to expect this level of criticism. Yeah, that's fair. And, you know, like, for the people who might be saying, you know, look, 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 we're looking at a two-game sample size. In his second game, he played uh, under 13 minutes. He played 12-something um, his shot share is right down the middle. I think he's split at an even 50. Um, and he's taken a penalty. Uh, he's put, I think, three shots on net. And uh, the, the biggest thing for me that I've been trying to pay a lot of attention to is how does he do um, with the, the things that I consider to be the biggest factors in, in the jump from the AHL to the NHL, which is the speed and the strength of the game, the physicality of the game. And he's made some plays where I was definitely impressed and I came into it thinking you know I I wasn't a more or less kind of like you know the deer in the headlights kind of thing it's tough when you're his age and you're an NHL defenseman I mean the some of the highest most highly touted prospects in the world you know and he's not that guy he's never been that guy you know have those those first rocky couple games and you know, he had to play, uh, you know, the the Haglin goal in the Washington game where, you know, he, he went down and blocked the shot and it bounced right back to Haglin and then Haglin scored on Georgiev. And it's, you know, it's one of those things where, oh, you know, it's it's a kind of a crappy welcome to the NHL moment. But overall, it's, it's he's been fine. The, the thing with that is we're talking a two-game sample size and uh, we're talking about a kid who in the AHL was used as... You know, the way that Keith McCambridge was using him, you know, I spent a lot of time looking at the numbers because I, I just don't have enough time to watch every single Hartford Wolfpack game. I, I only get to watch, you know, you know, one out of every dozen games that get played, and I just try to find highlights when you can. For whatever reason, the AHL.com doesn't post a lot of uh, of the game highlights from Hartford. I don't know why. It always bums me out. But um, looking at, you know, what he did there, he was deployed as, like... You're a penalty-killing defenseman. Uh, he played a lot with Chris Begris and uh, Brandon Crawley, who, uh, you know, have definitely were not not in terms of the ideal partner for him for guys to pick up points. Like, if he was playing with Gilmore, it'd be a different story. Gilmore is, last I checked, had 16 goals. But the thing that stands out to me, Joe, about 
Hayek's numbers that is that at even strength he was getting decimated in terms of his his goals for percentage the goals for ratio and uh, goals against and that doesn't mean he's a bad defenseman but there are a lot of little signs where you say oh boy like he's not scoring he's not picking up points not even secondary assists he's not getting a lot of shots on net and he's getting smoked in terms of how often opponents score when he's on the ice and I feel like that, that's that's not an unfair foundation to, to raise questions and be like, all right, well, is this kid where we want him to be? Right, and part of the thing yeah. that you need to remember, too, he has five assists in, in 58 games in Hartford. And Adam ironically wrote a story about this as well. Like, even the most... Uh, mediocre, I mean, borderline, most, yeah, yeah. Me, not even mediocre, but borderline NHL defensemen, right? They they produce in the HL, yeah. even the defensive defensive ones do. Yeah, historically, and, if you're an NHL level defenseman in any regard, you're gonna pick up points if you're in the HL. It's it's incredible where kind of he's been and and what he's come to. And look again, I'm not uh, I'm not trying to uh, I'm certainly not trying to shit on the guy. He's looked fine in the in preseason. I thought he was fantastic. That's the funny part. Yeah, he was in, a in shot machine. He seemed like calm and, and composed, and I was like, all right, you know, there's there's a lot of little. And you know, of course, when you watch preseason, you always take it with a grain of salt because you know it's preseason. It's sometimes you face lineups that are you know not as good as an AHL, a good AHL team. But and then again, the team you're playing isn't always there. Um, so yeah, I, I look. I look at you know what we've seen from Hayek thus far, and the answer is the same answer we have for everyone really on this blue line, who's under you know I would say 23 years old. Is we need to see more of him. We need to see, we need to see him play in different scenarios. We need to see him play with more ice time with different defensive partners, um, and you know if he continues to play, you know relatively solid hockey, then we can be very excited. And I feel like we should be excited that he's had, you know, kind of. A quiet but solid enough start, and you know, I know his some of his teammates were singing his praises, and you know, I think even Hank was saying uh, some positive things. Neil Pionk was saying some positive things about, uh, you know, how he's adjusted to this to this level of the game. But I mean, what did we see happen to Brett Howden, Joe? What did we see happen to so many players? I mean, what's happened to Brady Shea's game? Um, right, we we've had to just questions to ask. We've just had to like take our expectations and bring them from. Up here, and you can't see my hand, but it's all the way up, to down here, and you can't see my hand, but it's like in the middle. Um, so it, it's it's just a different it's a different conversation. We've if Hayek turns into a third pairing defenseman at this point, I, I think that's going to be a win for the Rangers. And again, that information is being based off of what we've seen so far from him. The reality is that like. He could maybe explode onto the scene next year, and we don't know. But uh, it's still, um, very early. He's twenty it, years old. But this, yes. these projections, they're fluid. They're fluid in the same. And you can't see, but I'm making a wavy motion yeah. with my hand. Well, you're they're doing fluid. a lot of hand bullshit for a podcast when you're giving me. Shit well, I'm, for I'm both naked and hand stuff is happening. Oh. And there's some, a cookie there's some phrasing issues. I was eating a cookie before. Delicious. We made a batch of cookies last night, and I put them on two different cookie trays, and the same tray, but they were two different trays. And uh, one of the cookies burned horrifically. They went in at the exact same time. The other cookies were cooked perfectly. 
so I have no idea what happened. So you know a lot about developing babies and dogs. Uh, so yes, but not cookies. I see. Dogs. I can. What happens is I was yelling at the cookies and I was benching them, and then they burned. Oh, Let's see what so we did there. that's right, bitch. Um, okay, bitch. final discussion. Uncalled for. I'm gonna take my hand, and I'm going to slap you. I'm gonna stick my penis. tongue out. Um, I have to get a handful of tongue. <laughs> Brendan Lemieux. Brendan Lemieux. Three games with the Rangers, one goal, 14 penalty minutes. And he apparently told Max Domi that he fucked his sister. Um, so I saw a little bit of that. Do, is there, like, are people, do people have an issue with that? I'm trying to figure out what... I mean, I don't think people... I mean, it's... One, it's kind of classless, but two, it's... Uh, but that's also, what he does. Uh, yeah, but by I this, like, like... worse things are said in every single game. Uh, that's um, what I was going to say. Like, if me, that was true, just, and I, I saw the yeah. gif of it, like, you, do you really think that, like, Joe Thornton or Brad Richard, you know what I mean? Like, think of people who you would think of, like, elder statement of the game. No. You don't think they're talking shit like that? But my whole thing is, is it's what... The reason I brought it up, the reason I thought it was noteworthy at all, is just because... The last time you and I were talking about what kind of player he is, and you know, we kind of didn't even mention, I think, or or did we? I don't remember the the fact that the Rangers might have another kind of Sean Avery prototype. Correct. And that's you know, from from the early and small sample size. Speaking of sample sizes, uh, from what we've seen um, from Brendan Lemieux, uh, he's exactly who I thought he was. Um, he seems to be able to skate better than I than I thought he might, uh, but, you know, he is very much straight line. Uh, you know, he's just ready to plow through people. You know, it's three games now with the Rangers and 14 penalty minutes, so... And also 11 hits in those in those three games, and in the last game he only played eight minutes, so he's not, uh... He's not... He's not wasting any time. Uh, no, but here's here's the other thing. himself and what his role is going to be here. If you walked into this with yeah. the expectation that Brendan Lemieux was going to be a third-line winger at best... A Sean Avery at best, right? A yeah. pest. He's blown away expectations. And granted, I'm looking at him when he's on the ice. It's Every time games, he's on the ice, yeah. I notice him. He's in front of the net. He he has not... Even the penalties that he's taken that I would consider reactionary have not been, like, ridiculous. You know what I mean? Like, somebody just going out of his way to do something stupid because he wants yeah, to he's, impact he's a, the game. He's a Brandon he, Frost. He's, he's a Sean Avery. He's, he's and that and guy. if he is that, it is something the Rangers have not had in a long time, and it's something good. He, he's been in front of the net. He, he's crashed the net. He's going to score dirty goals from there. If you walked into this assuming that he was nothing more than what he is, you're not upset by this at all. And I thought I think he's been fantastic. I feel like he's filling his role, and, and that's uh, that's all that's, he needs to do, and that's all he really has to do. Um, he's definitely like uh, I, I'm not I'm not saying this to sound condescending or, or snooty or anything like that, but like he's not my favorite sort of hockey player. Um, with that being said, I f- completely acknowledge and embrace the truth in that these guys can be valuable, and they. They can play, a, you know, the game in a style that helps your team. And I look at Lemieux thus far, and I say he, he's definitely noticeable. He's definitely pissing people off. Um, and you know, he's he's. I think the big thing for him is, you know, he. There's a lot of aspects of his game that 
Quinn is, is going to love. Uh, the, the big question is discipline and maturity and not taking stupid penalties. Um, but so far, that doesn't... It's never really seemed to be an issue for him. He's, he's generally very good at drawing penalties. And players who do that are valuable. I mean, we talked about this last time around, uh, too, I know. But, like, it's been a really strong first three games in New York for Lemieux. He's been noticeable and a factor in all the games he's played. And, uh, you know, I really don't mind the idea of the Rangers having a guy who plays his sort of game if he's effective and, you know, can be a guy who's cost-controlled. And, you know, so often when we think about the this, this rebuilding team, Joe, we get wrapped up in the... Oh God, they got to find a top six winger. Oh God, you know they got to find, you know that complementary center to play with Zibanejad. But you also got to find the guys like Lemieux, those players who can fill those middle three. I'm sorry, that middle six role, right? The, I'm a middle six winger. You know, if there's an injury, he's a guy you could kick up to your second line or maybe to spark the second line. But otherwise, he's going to live on your third line, do his job, piss people off, draw penalties, get a dirty goal every now and then, and that's your player. And that's that's all the ring I happen to love. I I love Sean Avery. I loved him. I thought he was a great player. He was fun to watch. He made the Rangers fun. Um, if Lemieux can be that, that would be perfect. And the the more important part for me is if Lemieux can be that, the Rangers won't sign the Tanner Glasses of the world and the Cody McLeods of the world. And that's important too. Then why did they trade for the Derek Bugards of the world when they had yeah, Sean Avery? The Brashears, the well, it was a different time back then. Oh, is that is that the yeah? That's what I'm gonna go with. Yeah, that's what you're gonna go with. Uh, you know, what I'm gonna go with is the back of my hand to your cheek, giving me lip. You know what? This is once again the violence that I've come to expect from this podcast. You threatened my life. I I did not threaten your life. I may have threatened your penis, but I didn't threaten your life. That's uncalled for. This well, is it, this is what it was. I was going to slap. You're raising a you're raising a young daughter in, the, in this in this cruel world. Uh, she, I absolutely am, and she, she's being developed with lots of ice time and love. What does your wife think about how much Kaylin looks like you? She's just like a little clone of you. Well, she's beautiful. Kaylin is. Well, it doesn't surprise me that you'd say that. After Which means I'm also beautiful. Well, are you yeah. saying that my daughter is not beautiful? No, I'm saying she's beautiful. I just happen to find that to be remarkable considering how much she looks like you. It's in the way you look at like a, uh, like, oh, you know, that, that's a beautiful baby because babies are beautiful. And I, I find myself saying, I hope she uh, looks more and more like Brit as she gets older. That's what I say to myself. Mm. And I pray to, I pray to gods, I, gods of all, all sorts of creeds and, and, and you know, religions and hope for that every night. That's what I hope you ever for. play uh, Dwarf Fortress? You ever heard of it? No, I've never heard of it. Where the fuck did that come from? I'm, I'm just asking a question, Michael. No, I've never played Dwarf Fortress. Well, don't. first of all, don't look down on me like I'm some type of, of fool. I didn't look down on you. I just thought it was it was a bizarre... Uh, well, so somehow. now my, my likes are bizarre. That's what this is? We have to do a whole other show after this. This is the energy you want to bring? <laughs> I'm just saying. I think you would like it. I think you would like Dwarf Fortress. It's uh, You know what I like? Um, is beer gardens and beer halls. Not a big, uh, not a big beer guy. I'm not really a big drinker in general. And when I do drink, I drink bourbon. A little Knob Creek. Knob Creek, you want to get on this? Sponsor this show? 
Is that what we're doing in the, in the guess, closing moments of our not. shows now? Just reaching out to... Just, just read to like somebody who may or may not be working at Knob Creek, who Tied very likely it just I've doesn't have... I've been using have... it most of my life. And What'd you say? Tied with bleach. It's a quality product. Um, this, this entire show has been hostile, and you're... Chewy you're brand just, granola bars. Ooh. I like that. I like, a, I like a good granola bar. Um, what else can we get? If you could have one sponsor for this show, who would it be? Um, whatever sponsor is the most lucrative and makes me feel the least awful about myself. Okay. Aiden Gaspar, Alex Gardner, Armael Kistner, Andre Chicagoff, Anthony Viola, Arch Williams, Bob Cowell, Chris B, Chris Habibi, Chris O'Connor, Dan Carosi, Daniel DeGem, David L. Singer, Danny Santiago, Eric Cohn, Eric Carlson, Fancy Lawrence, Gabriel Vargas, 50, Igor Zetlovsky, James Dangles, John Reppy, Johnny Lowe, Keith Franchillo, Guy from Montana, Michael Silvers, Mike Offit, Panerwin, 2020, Stink Fleeman, Tall Guy Robert, Thomas Osa, and Trevor Kempner. All of you are better than Joe. You're All of you are beautiful, and you are what keeps me going. No matter what they say. Despite Mike and words... They're not going to bring it down. Despite Mike continuing to attack me every day, I, I want to push you into a, in a into a hog pit and leg wrestle you. Well, video. you see, that's this is what I'm talking about and right you now. You and I both have a corn cob in our mouth, and whoever bites through and snaps his corn cob, that's who's going to win. <laughs> then we razzle. We get we're a little we're razzle dazzle overalls, and we just razzle. Well, this this show is Bubba Sparks, the uh, hip hop artist from the south. I know Bubba Burgers. And with that, we end the show. Oh, was I supposed to end the show there? Yeah, you can do whatever the hell you want. Do you, do you want to make some dirty, dirty man sounds? No, I just love you. I'm okay. sorry. I love you too. I'm sorry that the show was so hostile. By the way, thank you all for listening. This was... Uh, yeah, th- it was fun. Michael Silvers on Twitter posted the stickers came. Yes, we'll send your address so that you can get the stickers. But more importantly... Um, Outside of the stickers to you, you hand out greedy sons of bitches. Uh, The past week, I know it was the trade deadline and all, was our best two back-to-back most listened to shows. The flagship and the Q&A show after the trade deadline. And we had the best, like, two-day, and then we have the most listens, obviously, when we release the shows. We had the best two-day span that we've ever had. Yeah, so thousands upon thousands of people heard me claim that your thighs were filled with cream. Uh, yes, I, I you know they did, and with and you know what that's I, I when think I show that's, you that kind of affection. I think that's where we need to end the show. You and your creamy thighs, Mike the Killer Murphy. <laughs>